Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come and take a look at the snow. Bright white as far as your eyesight goes. Come and take a look at the fields of snow. I'll just get my coat, then we're good to go. Come and take a look at the lake. Let's have a quick skate before it gets late. Come and take a look at the frozen lake. Put your clothes on, mate. Don't make that mistake. Greetings, holiday shoppers. There are now only 131 shopping days left until Christmas, and you know what that means. That means it's time, once again, I'm apologizing here, for another episode of Christmas Creeps, your holiday resource for Christmas movies all year round. We're still working on a tagline for this show a year and a half in. Uh, Hi, I'm Joseph Wade. I'm your host for this and every episode of Christmas Creeps. Here with me tonight are my co-hosts, Johnny Five, the human robot. Yes. And uh, one Mrs. Karen Five. We're the holiday resource? Yes. That makes us sound like we're like the Christmas tree store or something. We're, we are your official resource for Christmas movies off season. Okay. And tonight we're talking about one of the only Christmas movies you can see off season in Home Alone 2. Because even though I promised way back a year ago that we would be marching through the Home Alone series backwards, um, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men and all that shit just flew out the window we so. just really wanted to watch something else yeah, i mean yeah i can't that... remember what we were gonna watch but that wasn't it it was yeah. either dog movies or something that kevin smith had his hands on so yeah i mean we are in ben the Affleck's we're in the dog <laughs> <laughs> oh so we're gonna watch batman v superman okay okay that's, that's I, i'm okay with that is batman's dick in that one too probably that wasn't, it was in gone girl uh, yeah i know that are his nipples in it of course they are. Okay. Uh, how could, how would they not be in Zack Snyder's Batman? Zack okay. Snyder's Batman is is at, at least like eighty percent as gay as Joel Schumacher's Batman. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Batman is just really really cold. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but no, yeah. Tonight we're watching we're watching and discussing Home Alone two be- for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because uh, one of our current presidential candidates is in the goddamn movie. And we feel Hillary like we, we would be remiss without at least mentioning that. Did you say Hillary Clinton? I said Hillary Clinton. But okay. now I'm going to say instead it was Jill Stein. Jill Stein was in Home Alone too. She played the pigeon lady. Uh, I, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it wouldn't be that outlandish, I think. That's, that's what? Racist? Yes. It's not racist. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say, that's really mean. It's super mean and maybe sexist, but not racist. <laughs> Fine, she played I fucking... Was, I was going to suggest that she was the woman at the she hotel. Was, she was Cedric, the bellhop, okay? Okay. Oh, she was Rob Schneider? No. Rob, Rob Schneider grew up into Jill Stein. Rob Schneider is a carrot. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so Home Alone 2 tonight. It's, this is one of those movies where it's not exactly, like, sacred ground for us to tramp on. It's kind of the opposite, actually. It's the sequel to Sacred Ground, and I wouldn't necessarily even call Home Alone sacred, but more just ubiquitous at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Home Alone might be one of those movies where we wouldn't really do an episode Mm -hmm. on, I don't think, because there's not much to say other than, eh, it's pretty good. The only reason I think we would give Home Alone its own episode is because there are now, in fact, five of them, and so why wouldn't we? You know, if there were three three remakes and two sequels to It's a Wonderful Life, that would be something to talk about. But that didn't happen, so we had to talk about Home Alone instead. And Home Alone Two is a pretty good, uh, a pretty good sort of balance. Like it's sort of the best of both worlds because on the one hand, I'm actually kind of a, a big fan of Home Alone Two, but on the other hand, it's got its own share of problems, and it's sort of the first sign of uh, franchise fatigue for a series of movies that should probably not exist. Yeah, um, and leading up to this, John kept talking to me about Home Alone 2, and, like, tell, talking to me about things in the movie as if I knew what he was talking about, and I had never seen it before. And I mean, I just assumed that, I, I like, I'm not, not like, you know, you have to have seen it, it's like a classic, no, because I don't fucking like Home Alone 2 that much, but it's like, how, how had you managed to avoid, like, you have to, it's like, you have to actively avoid seeing it. I mean, I, I don't want to say this is a Karen problem, but... Home Alone 2 is one of those movies that has been on TV like twice a week for the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean I I mean I I had just watched this like a month ago of of my own volition because I'm a dork. I'm I'm definitely a TV girl. Like like I like TV shows. I don't oh, do well, movies that much. I mean it's just it's one of those things where if 
if I find a movie that I like on TV, I will probably sit down and watch the last yeah. half of it. Just in general, like as, as just a fact about me, like I there are always movies that I'm like, oh, I need to watch that, but I just never opt to because I always want to watch a story that's like five seasons long instead, mm. instead of like two hours long. I'm kind of the same way, but about like hour long TV because I I always think like I would watch this episode of Lost, but instead I could be watching two episodes of Archer. So <laughs> you know I I'm I'm trying to be economical about how much TV I can fit into an hour. <laughs> Which is probably not the way to go about it, but I do wind up watching a lot of sitcoms. That's, so. that's, that just sounds like the best tagline for life. Like, how much TV can you fit into an hour? Yeah, and that's 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 Netflix's whole game plan. Oh man! <laughs> but yeah, I I like I said, I had watched Home Alone two just about a month ago, and uh, if you follow us on Twitter, I was kind of live tweeting it as it as it went, and yeah. I made some really stupid, shitty observations, and we might get into those a little bit on the podcast tonight, but. Uh, for those of you who were once like Karen and have not seen Home Alone 2, uh, the basic rundown is that it's the sequel to Home Alone, where Kevin is left by his family on vacation for Christmas. But instead of being left at home, Kevin gets on the wrong plane. They go to Miami. He goes to New York City. Yeah, and... we open with a smash cut, and Kevin's in New York City going, how do I get in this mess? And then it flashes back three months earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so once... So... Kevin gets to New York, and and I'm going to really condense sort of the plot of this movie well, because no, I I will just yeah, because... let's let's get over a couple a couple things quick. Okay, before he goes to New York, you remember how in the beginning of the first Home Alone, he got into a fight with Buzz and he had to sleep in the attic. Yeah, that happens again. This time, Buzz like causes a scene at a Christmas pageant, and so Kevin punches him and knocks like literally everyone on stage down somehow. Yeah, and still Buzz gets off the hook because his family is terrible. Yeah. No, because like, I like I said, Buzz is like the little lawyer. Sort of, yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I kind of just wanted Buzz to like, there's that blog where, and then Buzz got a Colombian necktie. <laughs> That's the end of Home Alone 3, I think. Yeah. What if you get a Colombian necktie and a Glasgow smile? That's a bad day for you. <laughs> That's a really bad day. And followed up the Cleveland steamer. <laughs> you, you just got served by the international gang. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking like guild of calamitous intent <laughs> they got really violent yeah and then yeah they go to the airport and kevin gets separated he ends up on a plane in new york and they end up in miami where it's raining on stop and then shenanigans shenanigans and specifically the first thing kevin does is he goes to the the plaza hotel in new york city which is n- n- right because he saw which, as like, bob eubank says is new york's finest hotel experience yeah he saw a tv ad for it and was just like super psyched to go there so, yeah it's like sure know. it's it's a familiar thing that i know I'll, I'll go there yeah and when he gets there he he books a hotel room with his little his little uh tiger electronic talk boy yes and he books like one of the finest presidential suites that they have and uh he totally dupes the the concierge people and there he gives them the feeds them the story about how his dad is on business and he just was sent along to get the hotel room ready Oh, and, and yeah, speaking like, of uh, presidential, by the way, he he runs into the most presidential man, Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. and before he meets the most presidential man, he meets a raving lunatic who tells him where the lobby. Oh, <laughs> Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> and before that, he meets this asshole, Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> he he meets uh, the owner of the then owner of the hotel, Donald Trump, who it, who who happens to know where the lobby is. Good Thankfully, he knows where the lobby is because that's the only thing Kevin asks. I him. think surprisingly is the word you meant. Surprisingly, he knows where the lobby is. Yeah, uh, Donald Trump is real good at business. By the way, he bought this hotel for like over four hundred million and sold it for, I think, three hundred seventy-five million. Mm-hmm. That's business right there. And yeah, that's the art of the deal. Are we are we turning this into a political talk show? A little bit. We're we just like pundits now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only did he sell the hotel, he sold the hotel literally the week the movie opened. It seems so like he should have like held on to it to let its capital go up a little bit. You you would think yeah. it would have like after the movie had been out some. Oh yeah, like Home Alone Two is just free advertising for the Plaza Hotel, right? Right? Yeah, it is. And it and is. not not just free advertising, but like free advertising right before Christmas. Yeah, it's like look at this fucking ostentatious like beautiful hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Home Alone fans, get the Home Alone Two experience by coming to New York and staying at the Plaza Hotel <laughs> and getting harassed by Rob Schneider and Tim Curry. Yes, they're but- not doing anything. <laughs> But only if you're, like, filthy fucking rich, because this movie is definitely, like, the fucking white privileges, like, oh, this is... most movie ever. 
this is white privilege too, like white people. <laughs> electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, Ke- okay, one of the things about the first two Home Alone movies that I won't say bothered me, but always thought I thought it was a weird choice was that Kevin and his family are just super loaded. Yeah. And I realized part of it is because like Kevin, ha- Kevin's family has like five or six kids. So he like he had his family is big and he has a lot of people to, to talk to a lot of people to miss when they're on vacation without him. Yeah. But also then they have to explain like well that's because uh, his dad is his mom and dad are, are super loaded so that they can afford to have eight kids in one house. Well, right. I also it kind of explains why their damn house was getting robbed during the first movie anyway. That's true because other if they were just some middle middle class family no crooks would bother with their fucking you know two bedroom house yeah they're like the bougiest fucking people ever yeah they they live in the swankiest you know rich people neighborhood in town and theirs yeah. is what do they call it the silver tuna of the of the neighborhood <laughs> the big tuna yeah <laughs> the trout sniffer <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no harry and marva the trout sniffers and they're sniffing out the silver tuna there we go mm. This sounds like someone who's like trolling for some fucking ass. Like, like yeah, it just, just got uncomfortable. Out on quick. Skid Row or something. Oh, jeez. But yeah, so Kevin's family being rich is kind of, uh, and then they take it to another another step in this movie by having Kevin, having it be sort of reasonable for Kevin to check into the Plaza Hotel, because, well, of, of course his fam his rich family would think to go to the Plaza Hotel. You know? Well, they went there because his... Because he went there. Yeah. But even still, like, you know, rich kid Kevin sees a fancy hotel and just goes, oh, this is for me. Right. This is, this is my life. Was this... I, I wouldn't go that far, per se. It's more really? he's a stupid kid and he's like, what's a hotel in New York? Oh, the Plaza Hotel. That's a hotel. So... Instead of being like, what's a hotel? Oh, hotels are literally every fucking where. So was he... Um... Well, first of all, I mean, he saw the fucking, like, ad for the plaza and recorded it. That's why he was all hepped up. Um, But anyway, is this pre or post Richie Rich? This This is pre. pre. This is pre, yeah. When did that come out? Like, 95? A couple years later, yeah. Yeah, Kevin, or Macaulay Culkin stopped acting in 94 for a while, from what I read. That's why Home Alone 3, he wasn't in it. Right. What's the next thing he was in? Saved? After Home Alone? Was it Party Monster? It was saved. It was saved and then Party Monster, I think. Okay. Or maybe it was Switch. I don't know. But the point being, somewhere in the mid-90s, Macaulay Culkin stopped acting to just be Macaulay Culkin To hang out with his fucking buckets of money. And Michael Jackson. Well, he was hanging out with Michael Jackson pre-Home Alone 2. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. But the point is, the Plaza Hotel is the fanciest thing on the planet as far as this movie's concerned because they luxur- the whole movie luxuriates in just like the hotel experience where Kevin has like crazy amounts of room service and they like cart up a TV not a TV but like a VCR and a bunch of videotapes for him to watch right and like they do like they dry clean his his boxers oh yeah his his fucking his drawers we should explain why they do that though because it's because they're trying not to get sued for like sexual harassment basically yeah, more or less. Because, I, I mean... Tim Curry snooped in his room. Yeah. Tim Curry is immediately suspicious of why is this kid checking into a room by himself. Right. Which what Kevin did was he recorded a little speech on his talk boy and slowed it down to make it sound like a deeper voice. It's mm. so like, how do you do this? This is Peter McAllister. This is the father. <laughs> no, he sounded like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put the hotel key in the basket. <laughs> but, um... But yeah, he check. He's like, yeah, my dad's on business. He sent me to go get the hotel like because I hate meetings or whatever. And but then Tim Curry's suspicious. And he goes up sneak into the room, and Kevin uses a blow up doll he got earlier. Uh, like a like a. <laughs> and like by a, blow up doll, you mean a pool toy that looks like yeah, a clown. it's it's like a clown pool toy. It's not it's not like a fucking rubber woman or anything. <laughs> uh, he, he uses the rubber woman to impersonate his dad. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's, it's like, like in the canning. first movie when he used like the Michael Jordan cutout on a train set and all that yeah, shit to make, exactly. the, yeah. make the party. That was he, like my favorite thing when I was a kid, by the way. I thought oh, yeah. I, that was my favorite scene in a movie ever. Yeah. Anyway, he does it in this movie by like hooking up a, a giant inflatable Bozo the Clown as a marionette and puts it in the shower and then plays a recording of his uncle singing badly. Yeah. His, and, and also specifically the, the recording of his uncle screaming at Kevin. To get so, out of the bathroom. Yeah, so that when Tim Curry hears it, he thinks it's really Kevin's dad. And right. runs screaming out of the so, room. So they spend the rest of the movie, like, 
you know, ordering Kevin like limos and pizza and shit just to make sure they don't get sued when it's like it would have worked better if because Kevin's a little kid with literally a credit card and an envelope full of cash. Yeah. And since he's a kid, it would have been better if he was like, you know, oh, you guys want a temp? Is this enough? And he hands him like five hundred dollars. And that's why they're waiting on him hand and foot because he's like you know. he doesn't understand how much money is worth. Yeah. Yeah. Which he almost did that to Rob Schneider. He was totally taunting him though. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, Rob Schneider brings him his, his shorts back. No, no. Yeah. It's the first time Rob Schneider takes him to the room, and he gives him a stick of fruit stripe as a tip. Yeah. And later on, Rob Schneider's like, oh, I got plenty of tip left. It shows him the gum. And he's like, oh, too bad. I had cash this time. Bye. Slams the door. Yeah. Like, oh, I found my, I found my money. Nope. 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 Um, yeah. This this movie is largely a rehash of like similar scenes from Home Alone One. Oh, it's it's that's that's totally the or like the order of the day is is to let's how much can we repeat without actually repeating? Because <laughs> yeah. they do the scene again where he's playing a movie to trick them into thinking that there's an older guy there. Right. They do the scene again where he puppets a thing to make people think that there's a guy there, a, a gangster. Yeah. yeah. Specifically, the same gangster. Yeah. <laughs> um, Angels with even dirtier faces, I think, is the name of Which this. One. I want to talk about that scene real quick because dirty it's... angels with with. Angels with even filthier souls, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they find out that or Kevin's parents report the credit card is stolen because they don't know what the hell happened to it. Right. And the plaza rings it up and it comes up as stolen. So he goes to the lobby after oh after Harry and Marv show up in New York just for whatever the fuck reason they escape from prison because why not because the gotta and Kevin escapes them when they find him randomly on the street. Kevin escapes by grabbing a woman's ass as you do. Yeah. No, no, no. Kevin escapes by that happens later. No, yeah. Kevin escapes by buying. Does he buy or does he just? Yeah, no, he like, buys. He okay. buys. He buys four pearl necklaces, which have to be fake because they're worth ten dollars. Yeah. And he spreads the ne- the pearls all over the ground, and they fall over, and then yeah, he, he runs like back into the hotel. Breaks the necklaces, and yeah. And then that's when Tim Curry is suspicious, and he chases him up to the room with the police and. And Rob Schneider and the lady and is it really version. even the police it, or is no, it like the security like, guard? Yeah, it's, it's like it's, the it's, one security. Yeah, guard. it's like the hotel, Cliff. like like it's like the hotel clerk, a security guard, a really old dude who works at the hotel, and Rob Schneider and Tim Curry. Yeah, and they run up and he plays part of the movie. And part of the movie, it, the part of the movie is the gangster character is accusing his girlfriend of sleeping around with him on, mm-hmm. with everyone else. You've been smooching with my brother. Yeah. yeah. And Cliff, too. You've been smooching with everybody. The old Snuffy, guy. Al, Leo, Little Mo with the gimpy leg, <laughs> Cheeks, Boney Bob, Cliff. I've and seen this movie a few times, guys. Oh, then, my God. Hey, it's a star you. Um, get to star you. But, uh, slight digression. When I was a kid, my family had a cat that had a litter of little cats, and one of them had a gimpy leg. So naturally, we named the cat Mo. Aww. Uh, anyway, um... They all like looked over disgusted at Cliff, even Tim Curry, who's the one of being accused of yes. swooshing with Cliff. And, and Cliff is denying it left and right. Which... Poor Cliff. He looks like he's like 85 years old. He thinks the Cliff doth protest too much. <laughs> Apparently. Um, but yeah, Kevin escapes the hotel, and then Harry and Marv catch him. And then they threaten to shoot him like four times. Yeah, and then he pinches the woman's ass and escapes as you do. Yeah. He ends up in the park where uh, he, he early, was... earlier he met the creepy pigeon lady. Now she helps him by like... He gets his foot stuck, and she helps him out. Right. So he goes and watch it. He goes to Radio City Music Hall with her. They watch. They watch John Williams and like the New York Philharmonic play Christmas music. Yeah. Because by the way, hey guys, we haven't told you this yet. It's Christmas during this when this movie takes place. The movie does not have any really anything to do with Christmas, other than it just happens. At it Christmas just happens time. at Christmas time again. Yeah. Yeah. But well, yeah. Kevin really wants a Christmas tree. That's really yeah. That's sort of where the the, the full conflict of Home Alone yeah. Two comes in because his family's going to Miami where there are no Christmas trees, which is a lie. But I understand because kids don't know that <laughs> because kids are fucking stupid. So when yeah. he gets to New York City, of course there are Christmas trees everywhere, but he doesn't care about that. Yeah, I mean we are not really going to go too much into this plot because if you've seen Home Alone One, which I hope you have, you know the fucking plot is just literally mix and match of like find and replace because mm-hmm. now old, old Wayne Marley is the pigeon lady basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean and the the plot goes through the same machinations where the sticky bandits now sticky bandits formerly wet bandits chase him to a house where he has booby trapped yeah. well, the house. That's his uncle's the, house. The the like inciting action of that is now they've decided that they're going to knock over a toy store which is 
totally not FAO Schwartz. And it feels like one of those things where they wrote the script. Like, oh, yeah, FAO Schwartz will totally agree to do this. And they didn't. So they're like, oh, let's make up a store. Kind of like how Zombieland was written for Michael Sarah before they got Michael Sarah's involvement. And then Michael Sarah fucking said no. That's why Jesse Eisenberg has a career. And also yeah. kind of like how, how Zombieland is, was kind of written to be to take place at Magic Mountain. But I guess they couldn't get Magic, Magic Mountain's permission. But then they Maggot still, Mountain? They still filmed it at Magic Mountain, but they didn't call it Magic Mountain. Really? Yeah. Oh. It's like Pacific Playland or something. Yeah. Something weird like that. But it's totally Six Flags at Magic Mountain. I didn't know that. But anyway... Anyway, yeah, they then the we established earlier in a scene where Basil Exposition shows up running the toy store, basically. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to give all the money we make on Christmas Eve to the children's hospital. And the criminals know this because they read in the newspaper and they're going there's like, like, we'll knock over the fucking toy store. Who's going to guard the toy store on Christmas Eve? You know, which which seems kind of that's kind of weird reasoning. Yeah, because if, if anybody is being guarded on Christmas Eve, it's a toy store that is rounding up money for charity. Well, their yeah. their idea is like, well, the bank's going to have guards, you know. You can't knock over a hotel because there's no guarantee people there will actually have money. Right. And and robbing a candy store is for dweebs. You could go to the plaza. People there are going to have money. I would love to see Harry and Marv knock over the plaza hotel successfully. Just like pistol whip Donald Trump to take all of his money. Yeah, that that's the point where I would actually root for them. Although I felt kind of bad for them watching this. Harry Marv 2016. Mm. Make America sticky again. Oh, God. Make America wet again. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Make America wet and, sti- and or sticky again. No, thank you. Please. Can that be our podcast tagline? Make America wet and or sticky again? <laughs> wet, hot American election. Christmas Creeps 2016. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Let's run on this platform. Oh, this Jesus. platform of wet and or stickiness. <laughs> So, yeah, he goes to the toy store at night when they, like, they hide in the toy store and then sneak out and start robbing the registers. Kevin takes a picture of them. They chase him back to his uncle's house, which it's the uncle from Home Alone 1 who they yeah. go visit in Paris. Right. He's still living in Paris and his his brownstone, like, one block off of Central Park is getting renovated. Right. Which means, basically, there's tools in the, everywhere and big holes in the floor. Yeah, it, being renovated basically equals is is actually a huge death trap. Yeah, and there's like a big weird like HVAC hose just like sneaking out of the front oh, of the house. Oh, that's the trash chute. You throw trash down it and it goes in the dumpster. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's that is, what it's for. Oh, it's so weird and ugly looking though. I mean, it's you, for you, trash. Yeah, you put trash in it, yeah. I no, like you're no, fucking with you. No, I'm not I'm not fucking with you. <laughs> I, you you do that so you can throw trash in the dumpster on the first floor without just throwing out the window and hoping it hits the hoping it hits your mark. Or you just fucking walk down the stairs like a human being and carry it yourself. Well, when you're when you're under construction, you, you know, convenience is a luxury. Oh, for yeah, that's what I was saying. I was just there for the construction, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, I thought you were trying to tell me that that like is normally sticking out of a house like that. I'm like, "No, it's not." When it's being renovated, sure. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's not a giant air conditioning hose. Well, no, no, no. I I was just calling it that because it looks like the fucking, um, it looks like the... It looks the, like a dryer vent. Yeah, yeah, that. Dryer, no, it's not that either. Well, I know. <laughs> okay, we, how did we find the dumbest ditch to get this podcast stuck in? Whether or not it's an HVAC vent or a dumpster. I was just calling it a thing. I didn't think that it was actually for that purpose. I was just calling it that because it looked like it. The point is... Kevin, the point is, Kevin climbs up the slinky. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate you. The point is, Kevin's uncle's house is a death trap, and Kevin makes it even <laughs> deadlier. Yeah, so let's go over this real quick, actually. I want to go over the traps Kevin sets up, because okay. let's think about the first movie. He's like, oh, I put my micro-machines around, they'll slip on them, put some sharp Christmas ornaments on the floor, you know. Basically, everything that annoys his mom is what he does. Yeah, plus a couple of things that were a little more mean-spirited. Like yeah, like the, well, the paint cans was, was like the big one. Yeah, and like the barbecue thing on the door. And but then it's like, but then it's like other oh, shit. A kid would think of like, let's spray water on the steps so they get really slick or yeah. something. Or which I I used to try when I was a kid, not not to like deter burglars, but more to like to wet the street down so that they would cancel school, oh, which never worked. And you're gonna like kill somebody doing oh, that. Oh, I figured you were just trying to like mangle your brother. No, <laughs> well, okay, so so. 
when they cancel school here in the South, what they look like, they drive down these back roads and they look yes. for patches of ice on the streets. Right. So me as a kid think, I think, well, if I just take the hose out to the street and spray the, the street down, it'll get wet and freeze. freeze. And in the morning, they'll be like, whoa, there's a patch of ice here. We have to cancel school. But what's really going to happen is that no one's going to drive down your particular street and you're going to kill one of your neighbors when they fucking hit like an ice patch. Yes. I mean, I mean maybe. Yes that, and that 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 was a risk I was willing to take. Oh my god. When I was a child because I hated school. Jesus. You're just as bad as Kevin McAllister. And look at me now. <laughs> no, so, I drive the school bus. Yeah, you guys are going to yeah. have to go through this because I totally like dozed off so, at this yeah, part. Yeah, Karen of the movie. fell asleep in during the most fun part of the movie. The, the part where Harry and Marv die. Like repeatedly, and their 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 spectral ghosts came back to haunt Kevin. Yeah, okay. So yeah, basically for the most part, until mostly, but not all of the like the little traps he sets up in Home Alone one are things that would really hurt and really annoy you. Yeah, they're hindrances. Yeah, more and, than anything else. And then that, then you get to the paint cans and cutting the rope where they fall into the chimney. That's when they start being dead. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an escal it's a game of escalation. But then in Home Alone two. He just starts straight with literally throwing bricks off the top of a three-story building at them. I yes. think that this would have been a much more interesting movie if they had just like kept dying repeatedly and like coming if back. Had, if they had had nine lives. Or, I mean, they need more than that. But yeah, if they, they just die <laughs> we're and the kid, like... we the kitty bandits. <laughs> they, they just die and then it just starts respawning in three, <laughs> two. Oh, actually, the cat burglars. I said, I said this during the movie. I, have, I developed a theory about this mm-hmm. as we were watching it. Tell. So Harry and Marv get, they get all sorts of horrible things inflicted on them. Mm-hmm. Marv gets hit in the face with three bricks. Which I read a thing on IMDb, which said that Newsweek made an article about this back in the day. They asked a doc, like a doctor about this. The doctor said getting hit with one brick is, if you're lucky, only brain damage. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no shit. If, if, a, if a flying brick hits you in the temple, you're done. Yeah, I mean, this movie is, like, exceptionally violent for a kid's movie. So Marv gets hit in the head with three bricks. Marv falls down three flights of stairs. Marv gets electrocuted within an inch of his life. Marv gets hit with a fucking lead pipe in the mouth. Oh, Jesus. Harry gets blown up by, A, putting his head on fire, and then, B, putting his head in a toilet filled with kerosene. Oh, no. Not to mention getting, you know, hit his head hidden with a bag full of tools and also the lead pipe and then, Mar- the lead and then, yeah, then Mark gets a bag of cement dropped on his head so through all this you know, yeah, like all we, we kind of started just counting how many times they would be dead by now yeah. and then it occurred to me Harry and Marv are Highlanders right because none of these simple things can kill them the but, only thing that would actually kill them is if Kevin cut their heads off but there's more than one well there can be only one but Harry right. and Marv are not smart enough to know that they can just kill each other they have to band together to to survive to the end of the game. Okay. Harry and Marv are the the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the Highlander universe. So this is, is this well, is like the, some weird like Hunger Games shit where they're like forming an alliance. Yes. No, well, maybe it's like there can be only one. Well, you're the only one I see, Marv. So obviously it's you. And then, and then oh, Harry, it's Harry, one of those. Okay. And Marv's like, well, yeah, it, I only see you, Harry. So it must be you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes they, sense to us. They they're they're like counting off. They're like one. one. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's, it's it's you. I, they have no self-image. Yes. <laughs> oh, that explains a lot. But then something has to happen between Home Alone's 2 and 4 because in Home Alone 4, Her- uh, Harry is nowhere to be seen. Isn't is isn't that a prequel? I don't know. Cuz Daniel Stern turns into French Stewart. I don't think so because I, we haven't seen 4. We ha- we have not covered that on a separate episode, but I think uh, I think I read that the plot of four is that Kevin's parents are now divorced. Yeah, they are divorced, and his dad's a huge asshole, and he only has like three bro- three siblings now instead of like nine. Yeah, so like either the other six got shipped off to boarding school, or Buzz just killed them all. I mean, I well, so, like I said, we were watching the movie. Uh, uh, Kevin's older brother is Private Pile. Yeah, Buzz so. is good proof that this is in fact a John Hughes movie at its heart, though. Oh yeah, because Buzz is well, you. You you explain it because you clearly know where you're going. With okay, this. so we were talking the other day about fucking Drillbit Taylor. Okay, yeah. Which I I don't know why we brought it up because you had you said you had watched it. Yeah, but I don't remember I don't remember what like 
brought it up though. Okay, I don't recall. It was something about like we were just talking about John Hughes movies in general. Uh, yeah, we were we were talking about like especially like the bullies in John Hughes movies just get like overly psychotic and that's like the real reason you couldn't remake remake like revenge of the nerds is because not only would the nerds get like arrested for like basically rape pretty much and among among other things yeah but then also the nerds the jocks would be like arrested for fucking arson oh totally the jocks would there would be a zero tolerance policy throughout the entire movie that would end the whole movie in like two seconds no not even zero tolerance it's just these these people are literally committing felonies yeah they're like in the story straight up criminals yeah and it's like i realized that's like a running thing through john hughes movies where like the villain like the bully villains are always like literally felons but it's just like oh boys will be boys you gotta stand up to him it's like i don't think it's even that i think it's just people in general are fucking awful in john hughes movies i saw 16 candles for the first time like a few weeks ago and was kind of horrified at some of the shit in it can i can i reveal something on this podcast that maybe i maybe shouldn't be so shocking but i've never liked 16 candles not only yeah. I have three older sisters, so that that's, that that ties into a lot of the fact of why I like John Hughes, which is because I had to watch it a shitload when I was about like six or seven, pretty much. I don't have anything against John Hughes. I just think I'm not a fan of that first movie. Is all. Yeah, like I mean, I didn't hate it, I guess, but there was definitely some like shit in it that was way past. Que- sorry, it was way like, past questionable. Oh yeah, like not even above and beyond like. Like, Long Duck Dong being a like a super racist caricature. Yeah, it's like here's like a fucking crazy ass racist caricature. Um, and here while we're at it, let's fucking rape this like blackout drunk girl. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's make Anthony Michael Hall a sexual creepazoid. Yeah, and, and, and as well as the fucking like the love interest, whatever his name was, I can't remember. Jake Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, like Shadow you, Recruit, Jake Ryan. Yeah, yeah, you you could like remake Sixteen Candles and have a similar thing going on but just clean up the parts that are really fucking weird yeah like have have the the girlfriend that like the rich girlfriend basically just be like "Eh, i'm fucking the freshman now cool like have her totally be on in on like up like cool with what's going on and like sober like sober enough to realize it you know yeah yeah and then you could still make long duck dong like a weird exchange student but just tone it down a little bit and actually make his character like positive at the end his, his whole thing would have been kind of funny in the movie to me if um I, uh, john and i were talking about this when i was watching it it's like it would have been funny if it were like i because i i couldn't tell if this was on purpose or not it probably wasn't but it would have been funny if the whole deal with him is that it's just that all the white people in the movie are so fucking stupid and racist that 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 he plays into it because he knows they think it's funny. Yeah, and and you know, he's and, like, oh, I can get away with it. I just play the. And play he's the totally like actually a Japanese guy, but I think they they what they call him Chinese. Yeah. In the movie, God, that reminds me of um the the what the fuck Dungeons and Dragons articles that Zach Parsons does, and one of them they were playing Call of Cthulhu, and one of the characters was Chang the Inscrutable who was, or Chang the Celestial, who was a Mexican guy pretending to be Chinese just because the racist white people thought he was, and he was like, oh, fine, yeah, I'm Mexican, whatever. <laughs> but I, I I was thinking about it, like, if I wanted to have that like a character like that in, in like, a modern 16 Candles, the best way to do it would be to have him be, like, Saudi, and at the end, he's, like, when Jake's there, he's like, oh, yeah, my dad's the king, Here, here's $50,000, fix your fucking parents' house up. Oh, he's just the prince of Jordan or something? Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> just, it's, it's just like, he's just like, yeah, here's here's money, go fix the house up. Oh, That's man. cool. Jesus. <laughs> that would be the way to do it, I guess. Yeah. But that, that makes me, that makes me think about Home Alone 2, and you couldn't even, you couldn't even remake Home Alone 2 as is today, because no. there's so much like that's outwardly objectionable about it that yeah like, that would would trigger people and would just generally cause like small meltdowns all over the internet and there's and then the stuff that is actually like just plain offensive about it too and but let's get back to the point was okay. not the actual point but the point of the tangent which was yeah. drillbit taylor okay yeah which i saw in a plane and i was like that's just about it was like drill is like i was like drillbit taylor almost feels like a john hughes movie and then you're like that's because it is yeah and like oh shit it is it, john hughes wrote the script just he like Alan Smithy did because he didn't like the changes to it, right? And it was like the last thing I think. I think it was the last thing John Hughes wrote before he died. That's depressing. But like, it's also it's also the entire movie that's built on like a really bad premise too. Because the premise is these kids who get like bullied by like a literal like fucking like junior murderer. Which I found out that the kid who plays the bully in that movie, the other big movie he's been in is Elephant, which. 
Oh kind shit! Of, really? He, yeah, he's been fucking typecast all out of two movies. Oh my yeah. god! He was the ma- he was one of the fucking shooters in elephants. <laughs> so he so that was that's the one where that's it was. Elephant is the one that's basically about the Columbine shootings, yes. right? Okay, it's okay. I guess Van saying about the Columbine shooting, yeah, right. Huh. The title meaning that school shootings are the elephant in the room that nobody wants to really talk about. Mm. Okay, so I see. And but, but from from Drillbit Taylor, then you, you look at Home Alone two, and and like there's just so many things that you would have to change or to cut out yeah. if you made it today. Like yeah, but even like Drillbit Taylor, which was like 2007, yes. not even ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, but it's like. This bully should like literally be in jail for like for like felony assault with a fucking deadly weapon, and he finally they, the police finally show up and arrest him when they figure out that a he's he's eighteen and therefore not a minor anymore, and b when he tries to murder a guy with a katana, not even like like joking, and then Owen Wilson's character spends the entire spends like the entire end fight of the movie being like you know oh but he's he's seventeen I can't do anything as he's getting his fucking like head smashed by this kid and then someone's like oh no he's eighteen he's like oh really and he just like basically spin kicks the kid in the head Jesus Christ <laughs> and it's like okay movie cool All right it's it's it's, it, it's like justifying reasons for itself to be terrible no but it's it's like if a seventeen year old attacks you with a ninja sword you bust his fucking face right like it doesn't matter that he's seventeen you know yeah. I mean, yeah. Now, now that we today we would have like a zero tolerance about that, and then you know, self defense and castle doctrine and all that crap. Like you, you, you save yourself. But back then, yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm talking out of turn because I don't know shit. But uh, yeah, no, it's just that's the, that's what makes Drillbit Taylor feel like an '80s movie because it does have that thing of like you know, oh, if a kid does it, it's it, you know, it's not against the law because it's a kid, right, right, right. right. Yeah, kind of like Kevin McAllister, just like fucking laying some lethal hurt on these dudes over and over again yeah the unspoken thing in home alone 2 or any of the home alone movies is that like nobody goes in after the fact and like investigates like the house where the where he attacked the criminals because like i'm pretty sure some of the shit kevin does like break is like a violation of the geneva conventions or it's gotta be (laughs) probably well that and you know like getting back to what we were talking about a minute ago i mean it's just kind of fucking tone deaf the the whole thing when we were watching it right at the end, I got like I yelled at the TV because uh, they talk about his his bill that he ran up on of room service. It's like almost a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, and he's like as he's like in the park with this homeless woman that he has met and befriended. And he's like, oh, he gave her a fucking turtle dove uh, ornament. Yeah. That's awesome. How about you like invite her inside to spend Christmas with your family and maybe like have a fucking shower for the first time in five years and like eat some food. Yeah, invite her into this free hotel room that you have accidentally gotten for your family. Right, and like the fucking like swankiest hotel in the city, like. Mm-hmm. In, instead of you know speaking of which is it weird that like this obviously like super one percent fa- type family gets a free hotel room no because it's a it's again they're trying not to get sued because well yeah I guess what because so. what happens is when they when the credit card gets stolen then his parents down in miami get called and it's like yeah we found your credit cards they're in new york they got declined to the plaza hotel and so the family runs up there and is like you had our kid who's like literally a missing person now and you let him fucking run out and they're like, uh, here's the best hotel room we have. Please don't sue us. Right. Like here, have our penthouse. I guess what I'm really wondering is how fucking lucky is uncle Frank? Because he is the biggest cheapskate douchebag in, in both of these movies and he gets like everything. That's true. Is that the real like, story here? I think it is the the real success story is that Frank, Frank is is. I hope Uncle Frank falls out and opens an elevator shaft and drags Buzz with him. <laughs> is he is he is he the brother of Kevin's mom or his dad? I can't. remember. He's the brother of Kevin's dad, from what I remember. Okay. So he's the older brother is is super lucky that his younger brother is like. I was gonna say rich. is Kevin's like is Kevin's nuclear family like like new money like. Are his parents self-made? Maybe. Or is his mom the rich one? Like, did his dad marry into money? Well, from, oh. what, I, from what I remember, like, the da- the guy who plays the dad was trying to think of an explanation for why Kevin's family had, like, nine kids and were super fucking rich or whatever. Yeah. And he was, like, he was just a super high-paid doctor or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll bet that is, like, kind of new money. I don't know. I mean... I mean, they're, get... like, super rich, though, to live in a <clears throat> house that size, like, in that fucking part of Chicago. Mm-hmm. His his mom probably demanded it. Like like that's kind of her lifestyle anyway. Shit. And yeah, it's it's probably like a combination of dad's money and like on the mom's side, and then 
the dad is like from a well-to-do enough family where he can afford to go to a good school and well, no, i'm saying a... if the uncle's like not though if he's like super thrifty yeah, the, uncle and... is, the uncle and his wife they're both like super cheap but skates. they're that yeah. doesn't mean they're not rich though it just means they're they're cheap and they yeah and that's probably why they're rich is because they know how to be cheap this is this is a, a question that we could probably tease out and play with all day long i always kind of wonder about this movie though because like it it the Home Alone movies, at least the first two, are very much like one percent sort of power fantasies. Yeah, uh, and I don't really know. And then Macaulay what that Culkin means. goes on to be Richie Rich. So, what kind of background does Macaulay Culkin himself come from? Is his family like crazy rich, or are they just his like regular family? Ass like his family like squandered his fucking money. Yeah, he emancipated oh, Jesus. himself okay. from his family because of because of these movies. Okay. So yeah, he got paid four and a half million for that this movie, which means his parents probably went out and spent four and a half million of his money, and mm-hmm. he didn't see any. Okay, so they they were not like super wealthy folks then. Thank God they have two other kids that act. I mean, I don't think it matters if they're wealthy or not. What 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 comes down to is they stole their kids' fucking money. Well, yeah, yeah okay, basically. okay, but I mean, would they need to steal their kids' money if they already had a ton of it themselves? Is what I'm saying. Probably not. Rich people are pretty pretty capable of being cheap you know okay i mean once you once you get past a certain point of money it's all like points to you anyway and so just go for the fucking high score steal money from a kid whatever yeah Jesus. whatever you gotta do uh actually what comes to mind is a fucking neil simon play london suite there's one segment in it where this guy who's like a new money author finds out that like his bank account has basically been cleared the fuck out by his accountant mm-hmm. and his account like he corners his accountant like with a gun and his accountant is like yeah i robbed you because i knew you wouldn't ask any questions you know why all my old money clients are rich because they watch their fucking money like hawks they know exactly how many pit they know they know to the cent how much they're supposed to have at any given time you know and that's you know kevin's i know mccully called his parents if they were rich yeah kid doesn't know what the fuck's going on so but eventually he did yeah uh well, that just cast a pall over Home Alone 2, I think. <laughs> Poor guy. The fact that Home Alone 2 comes down to a rich kid a rich kid trying to murder two thieves who are literally dirt poor and then befriending someone who's even poorer than them. Yeah, it's, but but not doing like any like doing real anyth- anything actually for like he, like tangible thing for her. He buys yeah. her a hot chocolate. That is literally all he does for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I was like hoping so hard that when he went to see her in central park like that christmas morning that he would invite her to spend christmas with his family you live with us now yeah yeah like he adopted a homeless lady oh my god <laughs> she's kevin like... you adopted a homeless lady you met in central park <laughs> she's like this sweet old irish woman though she likes <laughs> to listen to john then, williams play then kevin throws birdseed on his dad and runs off <laughs> oh dear god it's like pocket sand <laughs> <laughs> three I, I ran away to new jersey <laughs> oh god that's terrible okay so I, one one other thing i want to talk, talk about here is home alone I, three ran away to new jersey all the traps he set up for harry and marv are just hookers with different diseases <laughs> oh dear oh yeah so i guess this is all kind of ties into what i was getting ready to talk oh, the about the other hookers in this movie yeah the you could not make this movie today because this movie definitely has a scene that demonizes homeless people and also hookers yeah which i mean i'm not saying like hookers are like you know it's par- it's, paragons it's, it's of a virtue yeah, it's, it's, it's it's the oh new york is scary after dark type exactly scene. It's, it, it's 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 that's the, dangerous territory though talking which, about virtue and hookers uh, yeah i don't well, want to let's not get I don't into, dip that. A toe into that but basically there's a scene where kevin is is wandering through like a side street near the park and he runs into like a couple of you know, homeless people that are like mumbling to themselves and they're just right. like freaked out and they're just weird and creepy and kind of scary to like scary for what a kid and, would and think what is they scary. and what they do too is when like the actual like framing of the shots and, and all the stuff it's and, all this know. Dutch angle shit where yeah. it's even creepier. Yeah. And but then he like walk he like walk past two hookers and they just taunt him to his face. Yeah. Because it's a kid in the park. <laughs> Why not? Which, they, like, you're not gonna, I, mean, I mean, you know, service with a smile. You're not going to get my business acting like that. <laughs> Which it's also a way to know this is New York in like the early '90s because Giuliani came along and murdered all of the hookers and homeless in Manhattan. Of course, of course he did. And then there's the scene later on where Kevin's mom is running through through Times Square and it's just kind of seedy and shady, and she like approaches a, a couple of like skinheads asking him where her kid is and stuff. 
Oh, um, God. But yeah, you couldn't really make this movie today because of, because of that, because New York City has changed, because Times Square doesn't isn't as crappy as it used to be, but also just because, like... There's a scene where Kevin's on the top of the World Trade Center. Exactly. Yeah, and, that's not there anymore. Oh, that's that's actually kind of sad to but see. It's, on, it's on, also... On, it's, it's, it was, so, it's sobering. I'll it was weird, yeah. It's like, oh, that's a thing that, that used to be there. It's like it a isn't? helicopter shot of Kevin on the top of the World Trade Center, like, looking out at from the observation but deck. It's, and it's he's like, the only one there, and it's just, like, this wide shot of, like, both towers together, and you're like... Huh. But it's like one of those things, like you said, where you don't see it on the TV anymore, so, like... Never forget seems to be something where it's like if we don't remember it to begin with, we can't forget it. Let's go into that a bit. I'm, I'm trying to get us there, actually. Yeah, well, I just got us there, so. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, like I said, I just watched this movie on TV like a month ago, and there are some very conspicuous edits made for this to this movie. Yeah, and like, and it seems like they seem like edits made to sort of cater to like the the 2016 sensibility now. Like, for example, the scene where Kevin taunts the concierge with the, the gangster video, um, they totally cut out the part where he the, like, the gangster just starts shooting his, his machine gun like huh. crazy. I guess because it's probably a little disturbing for people to see people react in terror to a, a, a crazy shooter uh, in a movie in 2016 when we've had a, a mass shooting like every day so far this year. Yeah. Which, I, that's, that's a cut I understand. But then there's stuff like um, when Marv says uh, he's a kid, kids are stupid. They cut that part out because apparently you can't say kids are stupid anymore. I just said kids are fucking idiots like earlier. Well, you're not, you're not Marv in a multi-million dollar movie. <laughs> I'm just saying. Karen like... can say kids are stupid all she wants because, yes. I, because I'm the editor and we are not beholden to advertisers. Kid, kids are stupid. Thank you. Um Hey, advertisers, he wants to be beholden to us. Just give us big fucking bags of money, and we'll say whatever you oh, want. Yeah. Big Dunk- Duncan's toy chest bags of money. Um, there we go. There, you know, the scene where Marv gets hit in the head with, like, three bricks is is edited down to, t- to one brick. Marv does not get stapled <laughs> in the nuts anymore. Oh, my God. Um, I, I want to be, like, a fly on the wall in the room where they decided, like, what amount of violence was okay to show in the TV edit. <laughs> like... <laughs> The answer is most of it, just not some of the more um, explicit. Well, it's stuff. it's one of those things where it's like you could keep some like all these scenes in the movie, but it's just you got to cut it down. Like, yeah, he gets hit with one brick, he gets stapled on the ass, and that's it. You could cut it down to like that. It's just the fact that these scenes go on for as long as they do is what yeah, is because, what messes it up. And that's part of why people mostly, for the most part, don't like Home Alone two compared to the first one because it is it's more of the same, but it's also much much more yeah. of the same. Because it does go on for a lot longer, and it's more gratuitous, and it's more... This movie is two goddamn hours long, exactly. It is. It's two hours on the dot. Yep. And that may be part of why Roger Ebert, like, hates this movie. Like, because this is one of those movies where... I think he named his book, I Hated, Hated, Hated This Movie, and that comes from a review of this movie. No, oh, wow. that was That was North. Oh, North. Okay. But he... But this... Home Alone 2 is one of the movies in that book that he yeah. super, super duper, like, quadruple hates because well, rob schneider's in it that too rob schneider is in it um but tim curry was also in it and i i enjoyed seeing his like creepy fucking tim face Tim curry makes everything better yeah he's doing the fucking grinch face at one oh. point and oh, he's doing Jesus. it so perfectly he he is a, like a creepy looking dude he's a human grinch let's be honest yeah he's he's america's most lovable grinch that's true <laughs> i wonder what he thinks about the remake of rocky horror that they're doing soon i don't know How's he doing? Because he had like a stroke a while back, and he was in rough shape for a while. That's actually the last I've heard of it. Of it. I don't know. Okay. Um, but I I know that they they've said that he might do a cameo in this new like Fox's live Rocky Horror whatever the hell they're doing. That's right. a dumb fucking idea. To be honest, like all of the all like all of the cameos in Ghostbusters felt like contractually contractually obligated, basically. Yeah. And this this would feel the same way. Like just. The no, thing that alone, that yeah. weirded me out about it, which I, you know, I'm. Are we talking about Ghostbusters now? Oh no, I'm okay. I'm talking about fucking Rocky Horror because, okay. and and I probably don't have a right to be weirded out about this, but I am anyway because I don't understand it. I suppose is that Doctor Frankenfurter in this is going to be played by a, a like a trans woman. Is it Laverne Cox? Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, but the whole point of Frankenfurter was not that he was like a trans person; it's that he was a crossdresser. Right. Like, he was a gay dude who was a crossdresser in the original movie. I thought. Like, no, he wasn't even gay. He was like. No, because he was he was like all like no, up he, on Rocky. He, he was like 
he was he wants no he's he, pansexual yeah, he wants I was, to fuck I was anything say, that moves. yeah yeah you're right he was he was he was pansexual um so i guess the i guess the real question is why isn't it play, being played by rupaul yeah exactly which i mean which it's, it's probably is, i don't know it's probably not even anything to like <laughs> it's 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 just weird because like having laverne cox in it adds like a like a an, like an extra point of gender politics that aren't there in the begin with and it's like it's okay, like normalizing we, something that's supposed to be transgressive. Well, no. no, not even that. But it's just like okay, it's just like okay. What's the message now? Is what I'm trying to figure Honestly, out. Honestly, like, no. It seems like the opposite to me. Is like no, like we should be normalizing, you know, people like Liver and Cox who are just like regular ass right. people who are you know who are trans, but instead they're putting her in this role as like this super like freak basically because that's that's what rocky horror picture show is kind of about it's like all the like freaky people yeah you know i don't know it just seems like kind of weird to me it seems like the right project but the wrong role like she yeah I mean, she could be in it if she wants to but that like i don't know yeah but then again you know it's it's, it's not my fucking call to make and she might be fucking comfortable with it and so whatever <laughs> anyway so yeah the tv edit of home alone 2 is getting shorter and shorter by the year Last year, it was, you know, so long. This year, I've noticed more cuts. Next year, God knows what they're going to cut out. It's going to be like an hour long next time. Yeah, I mean... Which reminds me, I I told the story already, but I'm going to tell it on the podcast now. I was at Walmart at 5 a.m. the other day because I've lost control of my life. And... um, John has stew pickles. Yes. Yes. And then uh, six rolled around. I was I got there like five forty, so six rolled around while I was still there. And Walmart Radio started up playing like their top ten requests or whatever. And number ten was Beastie Boys' "Fight for Your Right to Party." But this is Walmart Radio, so like not only did they cut the song like a minute short just for like length, basically, mm-hmm. but also it's like they just edited out like half the damn song. It's kind of like when you listen to Everlast, what it's like on the radio, and yeah, and they, they have as, all the weird record scratches, yeah, which they do on like relatively benign shit just to make the song sound more like hardcore than it is, make it sound edgier, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which that's the it was like because like the part that really stuck out was it's like it, it was like your dad then the, then the sound dips comes back up, no way, that hypocrite sound dips up comes back living at home is such a drag, your mom. Sound yeah, I was gonna out. say that part's not in there for sure. Yeah. It's fucking Walmart. Like, it was, but it was just like that line was just like those three lines were reduced to basically like six words total. Mm-hmm. Your dad, no way. Your mom. Yeah, you gotta fight. Yeah, that's it. You don't have any rights in Walmart, so they, they can't put that part in either. Party. <laughs> Why don't they just play Andrew WK's "Party Hard" instead? Yeah, it, it's just party. party then it's all the just time. party hard, party hard, and then a bunch of gibberish in between. Exactly, it's perfect. Yeah, I would be okay with that. I would too. Um, yeah, they would cut out the part about listening, not listening to rules, though. Yeah, it's, it's true. true. Andrew WK is an interesting fellow. I don't know if he's serious about running for president, but I would probably vote for oh, him. Oh Jesus, Andrew WK, you have an open invica- invitation to join our podcast. Mm-hmm. Please, we, we will have it. We will have. We will party hard on Christmas Eve with Andrew WK if he will have us. Oh, I thought you were just going to say that like full stop. Like we're announcing that we're going to party hard with Andrew WK <laughs> on Christmas Eve. There are going to be some people either like really excited or, or really, really disappointed or really relieved when that comes around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, really disappointed being the three of us. Really relieved being all of my neighbors. Um, <laughs> so Andrew WK, we're going to party hard with you on Christmas Eve. Whether you, you like you it or not. You will enjoy it more if you are agreeable to, to this happening. <laughs> Let's see if we can find an Andrew WK this, Yule Log. This will, go, this will go a lot smoother if you are amenable to our terms. <laughs> no, listen, Joe. Find Instead of the fucking Darth Vader pyre or the regular Yule Log, let's find an Andrew WK like over an open fire. Andrew WK roasting over an open <laughs> yes! fire. Yes! God. No, Andrew W. It's just it's just an hour and a half of Andrew W. K. Just like tending to a fireplace. Oh my god, I would love that. <laughs> Stoking a fire counts as party. It does. <laughs> I think we've Home Alone. There's not a whole lot to say about Home Alone too, other than you've seen it on TV. If you haven't seen Home Alone and imagined a lot more scenes, are like, oh, well, he's got to be dead now. I'll say this: I really enjoy Home Alone too, and there are a couple of reasons why. One. This is probably one of the first movies I can remember being taken to see as a kid. Yes, okay. same here. This was this was literally this, the first movie I said, I want to go see this in the theater, and we saw it in the theater. I I know for a fact they took me to see Home Alone. I don't remember it. I do remember Home Alone 2. 
I think um, The Little so Mermaid was like the first movie I, I saw in the theater. The first movie I was taken to the theater when I wasn't, I was, I was Land Before Time, but that was like when I was less than a year old, I think. So mm. I, that was, yeah, the first time I remember. The Land Before John. Yeah, the first time I remember being like, can we go see this movie? And we went to the movie because I wanted to see it was Home Alone 2. Mm. Okay. Uh, so there's definitely some rose-tinted rose glasses uh, going on here. Uh, the other part of it may be Stockholm Syndrome because I have seen it on TV an awful lot every Christmas. Maybe. Um, the third part of it is that I kind of just like the New York setting more than like the, sub- the the boring suburban Chicago setting. I think it looks more Christmassy to me. Yeah. Even though I know Home Alone 2 has, has fuck all to do with actual Christmas. Right. Like at the beginning when they go to the Christmas pageant and at the end when it's a Christmas day, that's the only Christmas that shows up in the entire movie. The yeah. rest of it, the whole like – um an hour and 10 minutes in between is just like it takes place on christmas eve but it's just like but they only ever acknowledge it like once yeah it's like it's just part of the plot of the toy store but it actually literally is christmas eve because yeah they make it sound like that so actually this this is a good segue into uh crankometer time uh knowing that how christmasy is this movie actually i would wager not much no because i mean kevin's measurement of what's a good christmas is a, having a christmas tree right well and the mo- i mean the movie is a well the the first big conflict in the movie is that you know him wanting Christmas to be on his turn his Christmas right. terms. So that that's a little bit of a Christmas plot point. So, but, sort of. But, but no, it doesn't actually have like, like a good message though. Is the big thing I'm having a problem with it. Yeah, there's there's not much of a Christmas message. It's just don't be a shithead to your family. Right. Is really the only lesson that anybody spend learns. all your dad's money and superficially befriend a homeless person but even that's not christmasy at all no I, I, that's what i'm saying like that um, th- that's the whole point of the movie so yeah that's not particularly and there, i mean Christmas-y. even even with it being set in new york new york city you get you see like the big christmas tree at rockefeller center and all that yeah. stuff but like only briefly like it's not a big part of the movie at all that's it's true. actually it's actually kind of oh, i'm sorry very very sort of sparsely has anything to do with christmas yeah you're right one two do we want to dip into negatives for this? I or? don't. I don't because I actually... I'd say one. I would say one. I'd be comfortable with a one because yeah. it at least... I mean, for what it's worth, the Rockefeller Christmas tree is huge and, yeah. and amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think we decided we, we, <laughs> we just... Points for size. We deserve... We reserve... Size matters. Negatives for movies that have a shitty... That actively push a shitty message. Right. And this one kind of doesn't push any message. It just has Christmas trees. We could just put yeah. it at an even zero. We could. Yeah. I, I, I would be okay with a zero. Okay. That said, I will fight you over putting it into negative quality territory. I I happen to like this movie. I would against put my it, better judgment. I wouldn't put it into negative. And I'd say like one or two personally. Yeah, I mean it's the thing where it's like I'm like oh it's it's Home Alone two I can you hate it and then, I, and then I'm watching it and I was like and you remember he murdered those guys. Yeah, yeah, like over and over. I think I would enjoy it more if I watched it like with my own narrative going on my going Maybe. on in my head. I, what I noticed this time about Home Alone two over other times I've seen it is that. The beginning it moves at a moves pretty as a pretty decent clip. It's actually pretty engaging. You get it. The end where he's beating the shit out of him in the house is fun and sort of disturbing. The middle is just boring as hell. <laughs> yeah, they takes they took too much time setting up Kevin is having compassion on all this shit. Yeah, yeah. And the middle the middle of the movie just is just a dead zone. It really kind of is. I mean, I I came in to it's a fucking two hour long comedy <laughs> it for is. for kids like at that. Um, yeah, I mean, I came into this admittedly like on very little sleep, and I was already pretty tired. <laughs> but seriously, I fucking fell asleep in but the middle of this movie. You at least you at least slept through parts of it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, even and, and you know, John did too. John slept through more of it than I did, so it it was kind of boring in the middle. Yeah, so partway through this movie, I'm just sitting there giggling to myself because I'm enjoying this movie, and these two chuckle fucks are asleep over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I fell asleep at the end of the movie. After after all the violence happened, I got bored and fell asleep. <laughs> That's true. You you like dozed in and out. I, I kept kicking him to try to wake him up. John has no time for Danumon. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, so I guess I guess we're calling Home Alone two a zero one on the yeah. crankometer scale. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot more mean spirited than I remember. It is. I will. It's, give it's you the that. biggest thing. And there's way too much of Kevin like talking to himself. And oh, like God, yelling yeah. words that an eight, like, like a ten year old doesn't yell, yeah. luxurious and spacious. Yeah. No, you're a ten year old. You say, "Wow, it's big." Maybe, Cookies. Maybe he was just watching a lot of um, 
lifestyles of the rich and famous on TV. Well, nobody likes a smart ass ten year old though. Okay. That's why nobody likes Kevin. Eleven critical hit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so God yeah, zero one. This is, is this is a perfect time capsule for 1992. Uh, the twin towers are still there. Uh, you can be violent in a mo- in a kids movie, and it just gets a PG because no one really gets hurt. Yeah, time Times Square is a cesspool. You can pull um, a gun on a kid. That that part kind of mm-hmm. icked me out a little bit too. Even when yeah, when, was is it Marv? Is he the short one or Harry? Harry. Harry. Um, Joe Pesci pulled a gun on Kevin and was holding it, pointing it at his face and. I'm like, man, that kind of icks me out a little bit. I, I, maybe I'm just being like a fucking like killjoy. I don't know. I mean, it, in tw- I, like I said before, in yeah, 2016, that kind of takes the edge off of this movie a little bit. I, I think in the the time that we live in now, like I, you can't go back. You know. Yeah. Also, this movie uses this New York setting in a like a kind of the same way that Ghostbusters Two does, where it's like, eh, yeah, everyone's an asshole. That's what New York is like. Kind of. Yeah. 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 It, 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 you're right. Oh my god. This is like. Late eighties, early nineties, New York is very well uh, is very well captured on film. You know, like in Ghostbusters it two, really is. in Home Alone two, in like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one and two. Yeah, yeah. New York is is uh, sort of That's the worst character fire. in in movies, I guess. Yeah. Regardless of what Woody Allen might tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the the only reason I actually still enjoy this movie is is just pure nostalgia because I do remember. Yeah. My family taking me to see it when I was God, what six or seven. Yeah, and I can understand still that. Still enjoying it, and I still giggle at stupid stuff like, you know, Little Mo with the gimpy leg, <laughs> which I, sh- I know I shouldn't. I'm sorry. It's okay. But it's that part's fun, and I have my fun with it. And if it comes on TV again, yes, I will watch it because that's just the kind of person I am. You should keep watching it just for research purposes to see how much they cut out each time. I I should yeah, and I'll I'll. I'll end by saying this. I also noticed last year watching the first Home Alone that it seems like they have sped up the tape at certain points so that the movie moves faster. Oh, wow. I think to squeak condense the movie further for more commercials. That seems like it would just like move the movie right into like some uncanny valley shit. You yeah, know what I like, mean? Uh, uh, in in 10 years time, our, our favorite comedies from the late 80s and early 90s will just be half hour, you know, hour long dramas. With with no jokes in it because jokes are now outlawed. <laughs> oh God! Twenty twenty five is going to be a miserable year for comedy. Totally, we're, we're calling it now, folks. Comedy's dead. And this is the podcast that killed it. Pretty much, like, uh, what the fuck are you doing, John? Jo- jokes are dead. Yeah. So that's Home Alone two, folks. If you haven't seen it, I think I said this before already. You'll probably catch it on TV before Christmas. So. Yeah. Give it a shot, even with even with edits and commercial breaks. It's Home Alone too. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, yeah, comedy is going to be dead by twenty twenty five. I guess the only real option is to vote Trump and hope he'll make sure we're all dead before then. <laughs> That's it, Earth. Vote Home Alone two twenty twelve. <laughs> so, oh, um, yeah, next time on Christmas Creeps, I can't promise what we'll be doing, but we'll be out of the dog days of summer. Thank God. Uh, hopefully into some the nice cool crisp breeze of fall will be it's you know still gonna be august the, yeah it's gonna be 120 degrees out forever basically did we talk about bad santa too oh, oh we didn't no, talk we about didn't. bad santa too okay hold up before the end of the podcast we have to talk about bad santa too um you've we, heard you've heard of our 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 segment trailer trash this is trailer treasures because the trailer for bad santa 2 is out and Oh my god, you guys, it's really happening. It is a fucking national treasure. Thurman Merman is 21 fucking years old. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> and he's ready to help he's, Billy Bob Thornton do whatever the hell it is he's doing. He's still, like, apple-cheeked and round, like, baby-faced. Yes. It, it's 10 years... So, on the 10th anniversary of Unaccompanied Minors, here oh comes Bad god. Santa too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's it's apparently by a different creative team, so I don't know if the movie's going to wind up being any good or not. But everybody that was in the first one is back. That matters, at least. That matters, at least. The trailer was very... It, it did lean pretty heavy on, you know, just being, like, hella crude, but... Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton is that, back. That's kind the, of that movie. The <laughs> short guy... Tony like, Cox is Tony, back. Tony, Tony, Tony the Cox short is back. guy. Yeah, um, and Thurman Roman's back. And then Mrs. San- Mrs. Santa's sister is not there, but Christina Hendricks is instead. 
And he tells her that she has some nice titties. I don't want to say they traded up, but it's a pretty it's a pretty solid ladder. They traded for a newer model. I'm a fan. I mean, Lauren Lauren Graham is you know she's a nice. She's not nothing to sneeze at. Right. Exactly. But Christina Hendricks is a little younger. Let's let's objectify the hell out of this. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Why not? And also, uh, Willie's mom. Is joining the crew. Yeah, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Jesus Christ. He punches her in the face in the trailer. And she just takes it like a champ. Oh, man. This movie's going to be something special. Yeah, she's just like, you hit your, she was like, you hit like your father. Like, she's like, you limp-wristed fuck. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This movie's going to be something special. I, I look forward to uh, to viewing it when it comes oh, out. Man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, we, will ha- we will have to do a special. Uh, let's a live creep it. Live creep it? Yes. Okay. We watch it and then we go record in your car afterwards in the parking oh my lot. God, in the theater. Just drive around recording. Just bring a vi- oh, just bring a video camera. Oh and dear, just record the audio. We're, or I'm just bring to, a phone. I'm gonna have to figure out how to do that because that's a good ass idea. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Bad Santa Two is on the horizon. Get excited because we're excited. And with that, I'm going to have to leave yeah, you guys. I don't care how week. I don't care how bad it's gonna be because it's a fucking comedy sequel. It's Bad Santa Two Two. So right, it's going it, it it's going to be miserable, and we're going to love it. That's the gist of it, essentially. Yes. Okay, so um, how so, can people find us? Uh, yeah, if, if you guys want to find us on the internet, we have multiple avenues for that. Uh, you can email us email us uh, questions or comments at, at xmascreeps at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Christmas Creeps on Twitter. Yeah, go to Facebook and find us, you know, Christmas Creeps. Do a search. We're the skull with the candy cane crossbones. You can't miss us. And now we have we finally have up our brand new uh, logo. Yes. Written by my – written by <laughs> – our new logo, written and performed, <laughs> written and directed by, by, my, by written and performed by R. Kelly, by my good friend Porter. You can find him. You can find him and request your own drawings or art. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at the Esquire Bob. Um, he, I'm sure he would be happy to have you or, and do anything, any uh, art you might want to ask him to commission. It, he's he's good people. He does good art. Uh, so for Christmas creeps, I'm Joseph Wade here with uh, Johnny Five and Karen Five. Yes. Any last words, people, before I uh, hit the button? Red pepperoni and cheese. Happy Christmas!